Good morning. How's everybody? Everybody doing all right? See, you guys miss out if you're sitting up front because you don't get to see Holby and Chad Lynn back in the back jamming during worship. And so if ever you just want to see someone get excited about Jesus, just turn around. Not that you guys aren't excited up here. I'm getting in a lot of trouble lately with my words, and I need to stop. I need to learn to hush up sometimes. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Dale. Oh, everybody have a good week? So two things I learned this week. Number one is this, is when you go to Mammoth Cave and it says Fat Man Misery, um, it means something. If you're blessed with this, it may not be the, the way to go. I'm just kidding. Um, so what was the second thing I learned this week is that um, when you plant grass seed and you think it's going to rain, it doesn't rain. And so therefore, you have to water the grass seed. So just a little tidbit. We went to Mammoth Cave um, on Monday. And it was very interesting for, with me because I'm not a guy that likes a lot of closed-in spaces. That's not my thing. And so the interesting thing as we were going there is Chad kept asking, well, Chad kept asking, Dad, why do they call it Mammoth Cave? And then Josh started asking, well, why is it called Mammoth Cave? And I'm like, I don't know. It's the name of it. And so I said, why don't you get there when you, you can ask the tour guide? They said, okay, so the first thing I do, I see Chad run up there, and he, he starts talking to the tour guy. He goes, why is it called Mammoth Cave? And the guy goes, just wait till you go inside. Just wait till you go inside. And so then we walk inside, and like this, this mammoth opening. And you're like, how in the world could this exist? And, and so you just sit there in the, in the awe of, of, of what God can create. And God can do, and it, it was amazing to me. And even even though they told you not to write on the walls or touch the walls or the whatever, and you know people don't listen to that. Why do they even say it? And so of course you see so and so was here, and so and so loves the other person, and all this. And I saw this name that said Chad was here, and I told little Chad, I said that was when I came as a kid with my parents, and I wrote it there. And so it didn't happen. I, I lied to him. Anyway, he. Uh, <laughs> My favorite part of it all is their, their technology in it all is amazing that they have a bathroom right in the middle of the, the tour. Did y'all know this? Not like a porta potty, but a legit functioning bathroom. Anyway, just thought it was interesting. Just thought I'd share that with you. If you ever want to go, don't worry about having to go to the restroom. They were clean. It's nice. While we were walking... I'm getting to a point here. Just bear with me. While we were walking, um, Chad was getting real, both of the boys were getting really nervous. They were getting, um, they didn't like it. And one of them, both of them kept wanting to, to hold on to a hand or, or, or some type of security, some type of just reassurance that they'll be Okay. And I kept trying to tell them and kept kind of say, hey, it'll be okay, it'll be all right, don't worry about it. And, and, but they kept wanting to get closer and closer and, and kind of cling to me. And I was thinking about this week that the, the topic of today's message or the name we're going to look at is God is faithful. And if you have a bulletin, 
Uh, just so you know, I gave Jacqueline the wrong name, so I'm going to need you to make a correction real quick. It's not whatever that name is that I would have no idea how to pronounce. It's at the top. It's another name that I have no idea how to pronounce, and I'm going to try it for you real quick. <clears throat> it's the, the name God is faithful in Hebrew is El Imuna. El Imuna. And if, and if I got it wrong, you can go to a website called Tony Evans Pronounces Hebrew Names, and you can actually get the better pronunciation of it, but I think I got it right. But it's right up here, and you can, uh, you can write it down, and, and so that's the correct Hebrew name for God is faithful. And I was thinking about this as I was with my boys, and, and we were walking. How many times did I get afraid or get scared or get... Um, not, not sure of what's going on or what the trail is or what the path is, that I need something to cling to or I need something to reassure me uh, of that things are going to be okay. And a lot of times my tendency with my boys is to tell them to buck up and to, to, to kind of, hey, man up type thing. When in reality, sometimes even in, in my adulthood, I still need a father, uh, my heavenly father who is faithful to, to reach down and to walk with me during those tough times. And it's not a matter of me bucking up. It's a matter of me clinging to my father who is faithful. And so it's so interesting to me. There's two things that happened as we were walking through the cave. One of the boys was, um, he was a little timid and he wasn't sure. And I don't blame him because I learned this. I went to Mammoth Cave once or twice already. I'm good. I don't need to go back. The second thing I learned is, is that um, uh, tight quarters is not my, spa my thing. And so I don't need to do that anymore. The, but the, at the end of the piece, my other son was tired. And, and he was getting exhausted, and, and he, he kept leaning down, and he kept saying, Daddy, I'm tired, and, and, he, and, he would, and he would crouch down, or he'd sit down. And the interesting thing is, I wonder how many times I get tired in my own faith journey. And I want to know, I'm, and then those times when I, I get exhausted, and yet I have a faithful God who will pick me up, and who gives me strength, and who allows me to keep going. And so this week was such an amazing time with the kids and the family and just seeing that as a father and how, how I need to be faithful to my kids and my family, but there's a, <clears throat> there's a heavenly father that is faithful to us and that when we're scared or we're not sure of things, he's there. And then the other one is that when we're tired and we don't know if we can keep going, that is there to give us strength and pick us up and carry us. And that's the heavenly father that we have and the faithfulness of our father. I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. And in Deuteronomy chapter 7, it reads this, and we're going to go 1 through 9. And if you go back and you read uh, Deuteronomy, the first six chapters of what happens here is Moses starts painting a picture of how faithful God has been. He paints this amazing picture of how God had brought the Israelites out of Egypt and how he rescued them from Pharaoh's hand and how he's brought them through the wilderness. And he, and he goes on and he even starts to share about some of the conquests that the Israelites have already had in the wilderness in these seasons where they didn't know what was going on and they just knew that all they needed to do was follow God's instruction. And, and that, that was the piece that they knew is that that's what we had to do. And in the midst of all this, the Israelites, even though God 
brought him out of Egypt. And not only brought him out of Egypt, but brought him out of Egypt in an amazing way to where the ones that were pursuing him, uh, that were pursuing him, trying to recapture and put, put them back into bondage, God took care of in a mighty way. But also, he provided for their journey by actually t- taking the Egyptians and, and convincing the Egyptians that they actually need to give some of their possessions over to the Israelites as they were leaving. And providing a provision for the journey. And all of this, you see this whole thing of God, this movement of God. And Moses is going back and reminding them of how he brought them out of Egypt and has brought them into the wilderness. And that you get to this one point where we're at right now when we jump into this, that they're about to go into the promised land. And we talked about this a, couple, a year ago. When we talked about Joshua and the journey that Joshua went on, Joshua went on in bringing the Israelites to the promised land and, and the pursuit of the promise. But we're at this point right now in Deuteronomy where they remember the wilderness experience and they remember all this other stuff, but they, he's reminding them of God's faithfulness and all of it and gets them to a point where they're about to step into the promise and he wants to remind them of something once more, and it's this. When the Lord your God brings you into the land where you're entering to possess it. And know know that the land that they're going into is the promise. What has been promised to them. And so you're entering to possess it and clears away many nations before you. The Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Seven nations greater and stronger than you. I love how Moses is reminding them that God took care of these things for them. God, God took care of these nations that you, you didn't think that you could take care of. God went before you and took care of them. Moses was reminding God's people that the very thing you, you don't think you can get through, he's going to bring you through. The very thing you're holding on to that you're not sure about, he's got it. He's taking care of it. And he wants you to remember those times when you were going through a rough time or a, a patch of life when you weren't sure about something and you cling, you cling to him and you went back to him and you, and you needed that strength or you needed that encouragement to keep going. And he, he's reminding, like Moses is reminding the, the people, hey, listen, this is what our God did. And, and my reminder to you is, do you remember those things where God brought you through something? Do you remember those, that rough season, that rush path, that decision you made that there was a consequence you didn't like, and yet God still showed up? Or there's this promise that, you th- that, that God has made to you, and you're still trying to reach that promise and walk into that promise, yet you've hit some bumps in the road, and you're not really sure of it, and yet still God shows up? Or that the relationship that tends to drain you and strain you, and you're, you're ready to give up on it, and yet God has shown you over and over again that he's going to show up, and he's going to do something amazing. And in this midst, of we need to remember the fact that God keeps showing up, and God keeps doing things that... that, that is in the best interest of him, but also in the best interest of us because he's God and he knows everything we need and could ever want or could ever, ever possibly need in our life. And he's looking out for us. And so we, we get to see this piece as he goes and he reminds them of these seven nations greater and stronger than you. And so you may be sitting in a season of life where there's things that seem greater and stronger than you. And I want you to know that God's saying right now, you need to, let, you need to trust him. You need to realize that he is faithful, and you need to just put your trust in him and know that he's going to bring you through it. <clears throat> and when the Lord your God delivers them 
before you and you defeat them, then you shall utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them and show no favor to them. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons. And, and you may be sitting there saying, what is he talking about? <clears throat> there are so many things in life that distract us from honoring our father. There are so many things in this world that keep us from, from following after Jesus. So many things that get in the way of our relationship with, with him. And what God is saying is that if you intermarry with these people, if you start, if you start bringing them into your lives, what will happen is this, is they're going to cause a distraction in our relationship. And so you need to be aware of this. You need to protect this relationship. You, we belong to him. And so my, as I read this, I'm thinking, okay, what am I doing to protect my relationship with God? Am I allowing things to get in the way because he is faithful? And yet a part of it is what am I doing in my own return to protect my relationship with him? It says, for they will turn, and here's the reason why we need to protect it. For they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will quickly destroy you. But thus you shall do to them. You shall tear down their altars and smash their sacred pillars and hew down their ajarim and burn their graven images with fire for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, then the Lord did not set his love on you nor chose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples for you were the fewest of all peoples. But because the Lord loved you, and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers. The Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he reminded them of his goodness. And he reminded them of what had happened and what he's done so far. And he gets this, know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God. The faithful God. And right there, you can write in there, if, if you have your Bibles or if you make your note, the faithful God, you can write in the name El Imuna, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. See, we have a faithful God who shows how faithful he is over and over again as we look at what he does, not only in the Old Testament, but we can see it in the New Testament, God's faithfulness and how it continues to show up and how it continues. And if you look in your own lives and if you would sit there and you would take a moment, and even though you can very easily, we are talking about this this morning, we can very easily go negative and we can very easily point out all the negative stuff that happens in life, right? We can get there quickly. And, and we can go to those places to where we get, we get caught up in that and trapped in it. And I think one of the places that a lot of us need freedom from bondage in is the negativity. The negative thought processes we get stuck in. The negative ways we, can, we just we straight negative. 
doesn't matter what happened, what's the negative piece? And we go right there, and we sit there, and we get stuck there. And the, what that does to our psyche and what that does to us physically and emotionally and all of that stuff, being stuck in that place, it is not healthy. And then you want to know what the ripple effect of that does is that it, it just it ripples over into those that we love and that we do life with. But the thing that's so interesting in all of this is that when God is, it shows up and he is faithful, that sometimes we need to remember his faithfulness even in the midst of being negative. And what happens is if I remember how, how, how he's shown up and how faithful he is, then all of a sudden my mind goes from being negative to I start to see some of the positives. I, 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 one of the things I love to do is practical things. And so if, if, you're, if you tend to be a negative person, and I'm not trying to be mean here, but if that's your go-to, one of the things I want you to try is this. I want you to go buy one of those little post-it notes. Ready? They're little post-it notes. And I want you to keep post-it notes in your pocket. And just try it for a week. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to write every negative thought you have on that post-it note. And I want you to put that post that in your left pocket. See, why are y'all looking at me like I'm crazy? I'm about to change your life. <laughs> write all the negative. Ready? And then, with, then I want you to, after you write the negative down and put it in your pocket, I want you to write a positive that counteracts it. And I want you to put it in your right pocket. And at the end of the day, I want you to pull out all your negative and I want you to throw it in the trash can. And I want you to pull out all your positive and I want you to take a little notebook and I want you to write positive things. And just start capturing. When you get up in the morning, pull out your positive one. Don't pull out the trash can because you already do that. You already know what that's like. Leave the trash can alone. Pull out the positive and read it. And watch how God starts to change your mind. Watch how God starts to change your perspective on things. If you're having an issue with somebody in your family, it could be your husband, it could be your wife, it could be your kids, and you're having a tendency of thinking negative, negative about them, for every negative thing you have about them, find a positive. Find something good about it. Even if it is their eyebrows are in the right place today. You know how you can get caught up in eyebrows being out of whack when you look at someone? See, Cindy, you know what I'm talking about. Um, even if it's something as simple as that, find the positive in something. And then start capturing. What happens is it starts to change your mindset. It starts to, to move, it starts to move um, the way you view things. And here's why I bring it up. is God has shown up more in our lives than a lot of times we can remember. And what happens is, is we start looking at all the bumps in the road and all the things that we don't like and all the things that we think are bad, and yet in the midst of all of them, we can see God show up. I heard a story about a, a, a nephew this week, not a nephew, he's a cousin or second cousin or something, and he's in the, there, he's in the midst of a custody battle, and I need you to write this down um, April 3rd, please do this. Uh, make a note, April 3rd, I need you to pray for a little guy named Nate. <clears throat> Nate's in the middle of a custody battle. His grandparents and other grandparents are, are, are in a battle for this, this, for this boy. And it's in the midst of it, it's um, God-fearing grandparents versus um, a grandparent that knows, doesn't even know Jesus or want anything to do with Jesus. And in the midst of all this chaos, the one that doesn't know Jesus has custody of him right now. In the midst of all of this, Nate prayed to receive Christ. 
Nate prayed to receive Christ in the midst of all of it. And what's interesting is we get so caught up in negativity and we get so caught up in the chaos that God shows up in the midst of the storms and we miss it. Why is that? Because our God is faithful. He shows up in the midst of these things because he is faithful. Do you remember the last time you were in the midst of a storm, in the midst of something, and you're sitting there wondering what God's doing and where he's at, and he shows up and you missed it because you weren't, did not have your mind, your eyes set on our Father, and you weren't reminded of his faithfulness? One of the things that, that I keep coming back to, the thing that I need to remind myself about his faithfulness is this. And even in the midst of storms, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of things that don't go my way, there's a few scriptures that I love. Deuteronomy 31.6 reads this. Be strong and courageous and do not be afraid or tremble at them. What is he talking about? Tremble at what? Don't tremble at the attacks. Don't tremble at the fear. Don't tremble at the things that are coming at you. Don't tremble at the things you don't think you can handle. Stop trembling. Stop worrying about the things that you think are going to take you out. But be strong and courageous and do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes, what does he do? He goes with you. He will not what? Or forsake you. See, he is a faithful God. He goes with us. See, when we're faced against things that we don't understand or things that we think are going to take us out or bring us down, he's right there and his, his thing is, is be strong and courageous because I am with you. I'm not go- he's not going anywhere. See, and a lot of times we think, well, has God forgotten me? And here's the truth. A faithful God and God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you and he will not forget you. He's right there with you. Joshua 1.5 says this, <clears throat> No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, what does he say here? I will. He hasn't forgotten you. Wherever you're at in your life right now, whatever you're in the midst of right now, he is with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Hebrews 13, 5 reads this. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Why does, why does this writer talk about the love of money? You remember how we talked about this idea that there's things that capture our attention away from who God is and distract us from our relationship with God? He's pointing to something that can very easily get in the way of our relationship with God. When our love of money becomes our idol and our God and we start pursuing that rather than pursuing God, he's giving us a clear instruction here. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. If you go and read Hebrews before that, there's a few other things that you need to be aware of. But in this context and what we're reading here today, it's this love of money, being content with what you have. Do you know that discontent or not being content with what God has given you can be a very good distraction of you actually following God? And you actually being open to what God leads? And and I know this because this happens to me. This happens to me. When, when I get in my car and I have to use a screwdriver to put my car into shift and I start complaining about, about my car not working right. And, and, and this is so interesting because here's what it is. Even though I hate that stupid screwdriver, it brings me to a point of saying, God, thank you for a car that runs. See, it's all how we look at it. 
It's all how we look at it, and it's, it's so interesting because uh, am I content with what I have? Am I content with that screwdriver that helps my car go, or do I get caught up in what everyone else has around me and all this other stuff? No, I, I'm, I'm okay. That screwdriver is my friend. And see, I get caught up in it just like anybody else. What is it the thing you get caught up in? What are you not content with that God's given you? Are you looking at your spouse sometimes wanting something better? Are you comparing your spouse to somebody else saying, ah, this, this guy does it a little bit better than mine does? Or this girl takes better care of her husband than mine takes care of me? Or do we compare our kids to other kids? Well, their kids are straight-A kids, and their kids play, uh, they do a lot better in sports, and they do this, and they do that, and we start doing this comparison thing, or we start looking at houses and cars, and we start looking at all this other stuff, and we start playing the comparison game. And yet what God says this is be content with what you have. Be grateful for what he's given you. And when we go to that mindset of being grateful for what we have, do you know what he does to our heart? He blesses us and changes us in amazing ways. See, our God is faithful when we do the things that he's called us to do. And he goes on, he says, I will never, what does it say? I will never what? Nor will I ever. God will not, has not, cannot ever forget you. He has not forgotten you. He knows exactly where you're at. He is a faithful God. He knows exactly what you're going through. And maybe he's just waiting for you to reach out and grab his hand and to let him know, God, I'm scared. Father, I'm tired. And watch what he does when you put yourself in that place. The other thing, too, is we get caught up in these promises, right? We get caught up in this idea of, well, God promised this. And the Israelites were right there on entering the promised land. And they had been in the wilderness and they'd been struggling and wandering for 40 years. And they're, they're all on this, so getting to the point of going in and, and receiving the promise. But then they started looking at all the things that needed to be taken care of and out of the way for them to possess the land. There's so many strongholds within that, the, the promised land that need to be taken care of. And so the idea is this, as well as God being truthful and saying he's going to take care of all this. And sometimes we ask that question too. We say, "Our God, are you being real? Are you seriously going to take care of these things? Are you seriously going to show up when you say you're going to show up? Are you seriously going to fulfill the promise that you have? Are you going to still be God in my life? And so we start questioning him and we start getting to this point where we think maybe he's lied to us. And our God cannot, will not. And has not ever lied. See, God does not lie. It is not his character. See, in faith, a faithful God will not tell you something that is not true. So when he says in his word that he who began a good work in you will bring it into completion, that is a promise you can hold on to. When he says that he'll bring us through things and he'll make beautiful things out of things that are not beautiful and he'll work all things out for the good of those who love him. Even the very thing that you hate right now, he will bring something good out of it. That is a promise you can hold on to. He does not lie. It is not his character. He is not able to do it. And so some of these promises we can hold on to, we need to hold on to and realize that God never lies. Numbers 23, 19 reads this. God is not a man that he should lie. 
nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, or will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? God does not lie. So when his word tells us something, I'll work all things out. All things out. For the good of those who love me. That is a truth you can hold on to. So wherever you're at right now, and you may be sitting in something that is not good and you don't understand it, you can trust that he does not lie. He is faithful and what he says he will do. The last, Titus 1-2 says this, And the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised long ages ago. See, his word tells us that he is not a liar. And so even though we're in the midst of something maybe not good or we don't like right now, you can trust that his word is true and that he is faithful and that he'll, he'll be who he says he is. The third thing as we look at this, the, the name, God is faithful. And this is probably the one that I wrestle with the most. You know how when you get into something and things don't go out, you work out the way you want them to? Does that ever happen to anybody or is that just me? So you, we put this narrative of how things are going to work out. And we can, you ever notice we can paint a better picture than anybody of how our life is supposed to turn out and all of this stuff and how, how this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And then when it doesn't turn out that way, we get very upset and we, we, we don't like it because we've already painted a beautiful picture for our lives. And yet God, and then yet God has something else in store that's a lot better when we actually trust him. It's a lot better than we actually when we actually trust him. See, and then we think because it doesn't look like the beautiful picture that I painted in life, that he somehow let me down. When the reality of it is, is my picture, my image of what I, I pictured and what I drew out of, what I came up with, wasn't in line with what his image and picture and narrative of what my life was supposed to be. And then I blame him, and I say, he let me down. See, a faithful God, our faithful God will never let us down. Jeremiah 32, 17 says this, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you to hold us in the midst of everything going on is not too difficult for him. The, 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 the peace where we feel like we don't know what life looks like and we're struggling in that, nothing is too difficult for him. The very thing we're going through right now in our lives when we think that there's no way out and there's no escape or whatever, here's what I want you to understand, that the same God who created the heavens and the earth, Elohim, that same God is the same God that is, that is, that is the God that is faithful and that is there and he knows that nothing is too difficult for him. And so whatever that is, we can trust it. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says this, Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. See, he won't let us down. Don't confuse it looking different than what you thought it would look like with him letting you down. Don't confuse the two. 
Just because it looks different than what you thought doesn't mean that he lets you down. Maybe he has something better for you. Maybe during the midst of all of the, the journey and all the wilderness and all this stuff, he's bringing you and molding you into something a lot better than what you pictured. And it's our job just to walk with that. And so knowing that we have a faithful God, knowing that he is faithful, knowing that he is, he is a faithful God, what should my response be? One of my f- favorite passages that I, I, I go back to a lot is Joshua 6, 2-5. to Or Joshua, because I love the story of Joshua. Do we go Joshua 6, 2-5? One of the things that, that is very interesting in this passage. This is right before Jericho. <clears throat> Joshua 6, 2-5. The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands and with its kings and the valiant warriors. See, they haven't even conquered Jericho yet. Do you realize that the very stronghold in your life that you think you can't conquer, God has already given into your hands? He's already conquered it. He's already conquered it because he's that faithful. And that's what he tells Joshua right here. See, I've given Jericho into your hands with its kings and the valiant warriors. You shall march around the city. All the men of war circling the city once. You shall do so for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry Seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. Then on the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. It shall be that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And when, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people will go up every man straight ahead. Because our God is faithful, it brings me to a point of how I need to respond if I'm in a covenant relationship with him. There's a way that I need to respond to my faithful God. There's a way that I need to live my life in response to a faithful God. And the first thing that I need to do in response to a faithful God, and we look at Joshua, it says this. The first thing is I need to listen to God's promises. I need to listen to God's promises. In the passage we just read, we saw how God immediately said, I've already given this stronghold into your hands. I have given these people into your hands. What's the promise he's made to you? Are you listening for it? Am I listening for the promises that he has for me? Here's a great way to to know if you're listening to God's promises. Are you opening up his word? Are you opening up his word and reading it? You'll never see God's promise unless you're engaging in God's word. It doesn't happen. He speaks through this. He speaks through his word. The other thing he speaks through is other people. Are you in relationship with other people? God God uses other people a lot in my life to speak truth to me. It's, It's quite amazing. But I have to be willing to put myself in relationship with others to hear it. And I am so grateful for those that are bold enough to, to say, hey, you know what, Chad, I think you're missing the boat here. Or, Chad, here's how this can be a little bit better. 
the ones that want to speak life. And so God uses these different things to speak things. And there's so much, it's such an amazing thing to happen. But the thing that I need to do is I need to respond by listening to God's promises. The second thing is this, is I need to be ready for God's instructions. When I look at Joshua 6, I hear this very clearly. There were specific instructions that needed to happen. Very specific instructions. For six days, you're going to march around one time. And you're going to have valiant warriors, but then you're going to have the priest marching. Do you realize that if it didn't go that way, that I, I do not think that the walls of Jericho, I can I strongly say this, that, the, what God, that that thing they were waiting to happen, the walls of Jericho falling down, if they did not follow God's instructions to the latter, it would not have happened. So what happens is this, is we get a promise in life, and we, 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 we get a promise on how to have a healthy marriage. And God's word tells us how to have a healthy marriage. The husband needs to love the wife like, like Christ loved the church. It's a very beautiful thing. There needs to be equal, equal uh, we need to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's this equal submission that takes place when you read above it. Sometimes we like to leave that out. But there's this equal submission that happens between a husband and a wife. But the role of a husband is to love his, his wife like Christ loved the church. And then there's this piece right after where it says the wife is to submit or respect her husband And so there's this piece that goes back and forth that talks about what a healthy marriage looks like. And here's what happens in today's day and age. We start to say, well, I don't feel like loving them today because they didn't cook dinner right or because they didn't do this or because of this. And we start adding all this other stuff. When that's not the instruction, the instruction is that I need to love her. Plain and simple. I'm not to love her conditionally. Do you guys realize that Jesus doesn't love us conditionally? conditionally he doesn't he doesn't love you if you show up to church on time he doesn't love you more if you if you raise your hands and worship he doesn't love you if you sit back here and get excited more than anybody else like his love's not conditional and so if my role as a husband is to love my wife like Christ loved the church then my role is to love her no matter what in the same way that my wife is to show, show respect and submit, there's this equal thing that happens. And when I get them out of whack and when I don't do what God has said, then how in the world can I expect a healthy marriage? I know this because I stay busy at night because of this. It's, it's an amazing thing. I get paid from unhealthy marriages. And everybody wants to justify why they can't love their wife or why they can't respect their husband or why they can't value one another in equal submission to one another. And they want to know why. The reason why is because we're not doing it the way God told us to. I need to be willing and ready for God's instructions. He is very specific on what happened. On the seventh day, they were to march seven times and shout with a loud shout. Do you know if they would have shouted with a little quiet mouth shout, the walls wouldn't have come down? Had to be loud. There's very specific instructions that were given. What's the instructions that he's given you? I'm a big fan of, of I've been watching a lot of YouTube lately. Uh, like three minute clips just to kind of get a break for the day. So on my phone, I get to, there's this, um, there's this series out right now. It's called Do Your Job. And it's from the amazing New England Patriots. Now, if you just heard that and you zoned out, come back to me. doesn't matter who it is. 
But it's, it's interesting to me because in this piece, I'm, I'm watching this, and the, the number one thing that, that when you walk into the New England Patriots facilities, the one thing it says is do your job. It doesn't say do someone else's job. It doesn't say find someone else's job you can take over. It says do your job. Focus in on it. And I, and I wonder that if we would actually start doing our part and following God's instruction, what would happen? If we would actually do our job, and I know some of you are highly offended I mentioned New England Patriots, but forgive me. It's okay. But maybe if I would actually just start doing what God has called me to do, that things would look a lot different. Maybe if I stop worrying about what everyone else is doing and start focusing on what I'm doing and do my job that God has called me to, then maybe things would look different. Maybe our church would function differently. I need to be ready for God's instructions. The third thing is this, is remember the promise, what he promised, and then follow the instructions. Do your job. Do what he's called you to do. Stop looking at the other person to do something that you're supposed to do. See, it's amazing. We have a faithful God, and he's very faithful. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't lied to you. And he'll never let you down. And because we have a faithful God, our response should be in faithfulness. I need to be willing to Remember the promise that he has. Why do I need to remember it? Because I need to keep what I, the, main thing, the main thing and focus in on it. I need to go after that promise. I need to understand it. I need to remember it. Because sometimes by remembering the promise, it's the only thing that's going to keep me going that day. And then the second thing is I need to be diligent and faithful and following the instructions to the T. See, this is hard. Because let's be honest. We all have a better way of doing stuff, don't we? We all have a better way of doing things. I can sit back and I can sit there and say, well, if I were to do this, this is how I would do it. I know this because I sit in the car when Julie's driving, and I have better ways of getting places than she does. Does that ever happen to you, right? Never? Liar. Um... But we have better ways of this. I, I, somehow I got roped into coaching lacrosse. And I will try to represent you guys in the best way possible. And I'm helping coach, and it's amazing. But even when I'm helping my kids learn how to hold a stick correctly, do you know that they, and I, and that they have a better way of doing it? You know? They have a better way of doing it. And it's so funny because it's like, dude, if you would just... Listen to the instructions coming out of my mouth. This would go a lot easier. What do you know, Dad? You're an idiot. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking. They've never said I'm an idiot. They may say it in their mind, which I Ready? How many times do we do that to God? He gives us specific instructions. 
on how to receive the promise that he has for us. And we sit back and say, I got a better way of going around this. We have a faithful God. El Imuna. And our response should be faithfulness. Being faithful to a faithful God. Because he will never forget us. He'll never lie to us. And he'll never leave us. That's our faithful God. And my response needs to be pure faithfulness and doing what he's called me to do. Let's stand and pray. Father God, I love you. I thank you that you are a faithful God. I thank you that you love us, that your love for us is unconditional. That as we look at your faithfulness in our own lives and how you've moved and how you've done amazing things and how you continue to show up and how you continue to, to do things that, that just blow our minds and that, that continue to, to work things, even though it doesn't fit our narrative and, it, and it, it may look different, but at the end of it, Father, you still show up and you're still faithful and you're still there. Lord, I, I, I thank you for that and I, I give you praise that you're faithful. That I can call you my faithful God that you'll never leave me, that you don't lie to me, that what you promised you'll bring to completion, that what you've said is true. And I can trust that. And Lord, and, and as I stand in your presence and I stand here and I, I look and I think of and remember all the promises that you've made and all the promises that you've brought to completion in my life and how faithful you've been and how faithful you continue to be in, in everything. Lord, even in the midst of the storms, even in the midst of chaos, even in the midst of struggles, even in the midst of things that I don't understand, Father, you are at work and you show up in big ways. because you're faithful. El Amuna. Faithful God. May I remember that every day of my life. And my, may my response to you, Father, be faithfulness in everything. Showing up doing my part God I love you and I praise you and I pray that for our lives that, that we would realize how faithful you are that we'd remember all of it and that our response back to you would be pure faithfulness even when we don't get it and we don't understand it and we can't see it may you work may you hold our hands may you lift us up when we're weak and carry us through because you are faithful. Lord, we love you and praise you. In Christ's name we ask all this. Amen. A couple ways to respond. The communion tables are open and you're free uh, to partake in communion as we remember his faithfulness to the point of death, his faithfulness of, of going to the cross for us, and we take communion in remembrance of that. And so I invite you to, to, to respond by taking communion and remembering that. The second way you can respond is by giving. Um, at Light Point, we believe that God has faithfully blessed us and given to us, and the resp re response to that is to be faithful in giving a portion of what He's given back to Him. And so that's why we give. That's why those offering bins are back there to do that. 
Um, the third way we can respond is if you need prayer over anything, if you need prayer over anything going on in your life, Dale and Cindy will be over here to pray with you, to pray over you. And so if you need to respond that way, feel free. And the last way to respond is this. As we sing, and as God speaks, and as God shows you, and God, God speaks to your heart, maybe your response today just needs to be in faithfulness to him and committing to do what you said you're going to do and following through and being committed and faithful and whatever that looks like in your life. And we do it because he's faithful to us. He loves us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And he's got a promise there for us that we'll see if we are faithful in pursuing it. So you respond how God leads.